Have you ever been listening to something until you get to a point where you have to turn it off? You wake up in the morning and you say, Alexa, tell me the news for today. It doesn't take too long to say, Alexa, stop. You're watching the news and you really just want to know what to wear, get to the weather report. But you don't get to the weather report before you turn the channel. You're on Facebook and today is the day. Today is the day that you are deciding, well, not to unfriend them, that would be unfriendly, but you sure are going to unfollow those people, whether they know it or not. Voices rise and fall all the time. In fact, one of the voices on the rise was the picture that you might have already seen. Um, before this year, I had never known about a, a Dr. Anthony Fauci. Um, I know about him now, right? I've heard his voice quite a bit. It's a voice on the rise during the pandemic. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, who I got to confess, I didn't know much about except till she died and learned uh, some incredible things about her. That's a voice that even posthumously is on the rise. I consider the world of entertainment, how there have been different voices. If you grew up with uh, Johnny Carson, remember him? And it was Jay Leno. Now Jimmy Fallon. Maybe for you it's a musician and who you listen to today is different than who you listened to five years ago. For our young people, maybe you're skipping from one YouTuber to the next YouTuber. For me in the ministry, uh, there are different voices who speak of Jesus who have uh, both rised and, and then also fallen during my time as a pastor. And when we consider those with influence, I want to tell you you are an influencer. God wants to make use of your voice. God wants to make use of your life, your confession, your witness. Now, before I talk to Christians, I want to welcome you if you're not a Christian online or not a Christian here. Uh, we're just geeked out that you're among us. And, and the biggest voice we want you to be concerned about is the voice of Jesus, who loves you more than you possibly know, who has redeemed you through his blood, who's called you his very own through his cross and resurrection. But if you are in Christ, I want to remind you what our Savior has said. He said, you are a light of the world. You are, as we sung, a city on a hill, lit up that people should see. Now for me, this song always reminds me of a, a song I grew up with as a child, This Little Light of Mine. Remember this one? And, and everyone's favorite verse has to be about a bushel, Right? This little mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little mine, all around the neighborhood, hide it under a bushel. Yeah, that was always the, the most fun to say as a child. You'd scream that out as a child. I'm not going to hide that under a bushel. No way. Right? Passion. I was doing some research on a bushel, by the way. Uh, it really should be a bushel basket, which is here. A bushel is just a unit of measurement, so I'm not trying to split hairs or anything, but it should be bushel basket, uh, to be clear. Um, hide it under a bushel basket? No. Right? But this idea of having a light and potentially hiding our light is what I want to talk to you about today. In fact, the first thing I want you to, if you're taking notes, uh, what we're going to consider is how do we keep or lose our voice of influence? And it's interesting that if you are in Christ, in the section where he says you're a light, he also gives direction on how to be a great light. For verses later would say this, let your light shine before others that they may see your, can you say those two words? They may see your, 
He wants us to be good. Do you know, a Christian reputation should be as much where if you have a non-Christian around you, they should say, I I don't agree with you, but I sure like you. I don't agree with you, but I want to hire as many Christians as I can. I don't agree with you, but I want my daughter to marry a Christian because they're known for being that good. That should be the life of a Christian. In fact, I heard an incredible story about someone's light. There's a man who took a mission trip to Indonesia after the tsunami of 2004. He went to a Muslim nation. And as he got there to help out those um, hundreds of thousands, by the way, died in that tsunami, he was threatened by those in Islam. They questioned, why are you here? Get out of here. They persisted, they endured, they were there for about a week. And what they were doing was so remarkable that one of the leaders of that faith, an imam or an Islam priest, invited them over for supper. And he said, I know what they were doing to you. I know the threats that they gave you. I know uncomfortable you must be here. But we also observed what you did. And then something strange happened. They were shown a picture of his family, his kids. And he asked them if they would take his kids back to the States and raise them as their own. What did that imam see? They saw good deeds and a light that was so incredible that said, this is so different, I want you to raise my children and to be their voice. This is the opportunity of the Christian lifestyle. But how do we lose our voice? Well, that's why wanted to talk about politics and have this series. Because if we are adamant about that second verse and hide it under a bushel, no, (laughs) well then I think I need to let you beware of this, that we need to beware of hiding our light under a bushel of politics. See, if we're adamant about keeping our light and we want to talk about Jesus, and we want to represent the Savior of the world, then we need to be aware that we could lose that light and we could lose that voice for lesser things, for lesser people, and for lesser policies. And I'm not saying don't vote. I'm not saying don't write letters. If you were here last week, do your part. But I am saying beware. Beware of how you go about it. Beware of your light in this world because when you want to talk about something that has eternal ramifications past an election year that cycles through, you may not know that you have lost your influence for, again, a lesser thing. And that's why I love this place because here we we get out of the noise of everything else and we just get to hear God's voice. And I remind myself that my goal as a pastor is not to be opinionated and not so that you would see me. In fact, to the degree that I do that, I might lose my influence for a lesser thing. My goal is really to point you to him, that you would understand his voice. Because if his voice is heard by you, it is that which changes hearts and lives forever. That which changes eternities. 
And so our goal, again, to hear His voice. So we do that whenever we open the Word of God. And in honor of the the Word of God, I'm going to invite you to please stand as we hear the voice of the Lord. Our lesson today is from 1 Peter chapter 3. It says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God, who's put to death in the body but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits. These are the words that we get to consider. Could you encourage the person next to you and tell them, you are a light? You are a light? Write that in the chat box. Feel free to sit down. You know, in a divided country, I think something that we can agree on is the indebtedness we have to our veterans. Uh, veterans Day is right around the corner. Uh, in fact, in our children's ministry today is someone uh, who's a veteran and now a Chicago firefighter talking about our children uh, being a good influence today. And uh, in honor of Veterans Day, I wanted to go through a few of the mottos. I don't know if you uh, know them or not. Um, there is Semper Fi. Does anyone know what Semper Fi means? Always faithful. Absolutely. The U.S. Marines. And so Marines, you can count on. They're always there. Uh, there is Semper Fortis. Or Fortis. Um, this is the Navy. Anyone know this one? Always courageous. Um, it's the unofficial motto of the Navy, but still used. Um, talking about unofficial mottos, I had to laugh uh, that I guess many in the armed forces use this, Semper Gumby. Uh, and Gumby, by the way, is not a Latin word like the others are. Uh, Gumby is a, a cartoon character for us old people. Uh, if you remember Gumby and Pokey, it just means always flexible, which I guess you have to be if you're in the armed forces. Uh, but I want to draw your attention to the U.S. Coast Guard and their phrase. It is Semper Paratus, which means always prepared. That the Coast Guard needs to be ready on a moment's notice in order to get in the helicopter and fly over the ocean and rescue those in need. You need to always be prepared. Well, I have good news for you. Um, Christians have a motto too. And ours is the same as the Coast Guard. Uh, Semper Paratus. That is what uh, Peter is telling us. And I'm not sure if we all should go out and get tattoos and maybe it look good. Semper Paratus, always prepared. But it's exactly what Peter is saying. Uh, when we get to our lesson, it says, always be prepared. For what? Hear this. To give an answer to everyone who asks. To give the reason for the hope you have. Always prepared. It reminds me of the preparation that goes into an election year. Many people campaigned for months, if not years, and, and planned their campaigns. We had a ministry center in New Lenox, and for months we had someone on top renting space to campaign for a congressman. It took a long time to prepare for an election. And I think of how even people are preparing. Maybe you've uh, read a list of the issues and where people land on the issues, and, and maybe you're listening to, to some of the dialogue in order to be an informed voter is a good thing to do, by the way. Um, but I'm just curious, how prepared are you to speak about the King of Kings? How prepared are you to have a dialogue on salvation? 
How prepared are you to represent the policies of our God and what he says is good for his people, not in just a few categories, but on the whole laundry list? How prepared are you? And if it's true that you're more prepared to defend a potential president and more prepared and passionate about a policy, maybe I would prick your conscience and say there's a bigger issue going on than who's elected. Maybe I'd remind you that these issues will come and go But God's word remains forever, and his issues are eternal, and his voice changes hearts and lives forever. How prepared are you? Hide it under a bushel? Yeah. Because sometimes I don't know what to say. But there's more. And Peter would go on and he'd say, Do it with gentleness and respect. Whew! That's hard right now. Is there anyone, maybe across the aisle, or anyone that you've seen on TV, or anyone that's a voice right now, that you have a hard time respecting? You have a hard time being gentle with your opinion after you heard theirs? If that's the case, I think Scripture is saying politely, slow your roll. Because what God would remind us is that person, whoever is vilified, that person is a soul in need of the blood of Jesus. That person was planned and purposed by God to be here. And if you're taking notes, our first one is you're going to lose your voice if you aren't prepared. And our second one, you're going to lose your voice if you lose respect. And isn't this true in our own lives? How much do you listen to the person who doesn't love you and respect you? How much do you listen to the person who is condescended and treats you as a less than? That's really hard, ain't it? And dear Christian, you are an influencer, and if you want to keep that influence, you need to keep respect for people who are very different very opinionated, and have a different perspective. Hide it under a bushel? Yeah, sometimes. Which reminds us why we gather. You know, when we sang that first song, we were singing, we are the light, we are the light, we are the light. But you know the best part, right? When they flipped it. You hear the bridge? Jesus, you are the light. You are the light. We will lift you high, and that's what shines. Because if I'm honest, I'm not always a great light. If I'm honest, I've hid it under a lot of different bushels in the past, and I repent of that. And maybe if you're honest, too, you need to know that the only true light we have is the light of Jesus Christ. And if we point to him, we point to something that truly matters. It matters more than my perspective. It matters more than my opinion. It matters more than my political party, more than my policy. His light matters. And Peter talked about the light we have to share. 
Peter said this about Jesus. You know what Christ did? He suffered once for all sins. It reminded me of what we put on the altar. And for years there was sacrifice. And then the cross was that ultimate sacrifice, which is once for the sins of all and once for all people. And through the sacrifice of Jesus, my sins are covered for all the times I wasn't a light. For the times I want to wake up and be a good influencer, but I'm not. And your sins are covered through that sacrifice. For he is the righteous for the unrighteous. It reminds me that through faith in Jesus, I'm credited a righteousness not my own. Simply through faith, he looks at you and he says, you're beautiful, you're spotless, you're clean, you're my bride. And just as a bride wears pure white, that's how I see you through faith. To bring you to God. How many does he want to bring to God? Well, obviously just the Republicans, right? Oh, obviously just the Democrats, right? Oh, just the Americans, right? Bring the whole world to God. No matter the difference, no matter the issues. He is the toning a sacrifice for the sins of the world. And what do we know about him? He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. We worship on Sunday because there's a victory here. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus reminds us we're not home yet. Jesus reminds us this world is broken. You're going to have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome this world. This is not your home. You're here but a moment. You're a flash in the pan. You're a vapor. You're a mist. Your heavenly home I'm preparing. Don't worry, and you're going to be there soon. This is the light. And this is the message that matters. And this message has the ability to change the world because the Spirit uses it to change hearts and lives. In fact, if you're watching today, more than anything, we want you to know Jesus and His love. But the way that we have influence is through words, and we need to talk about that a little bit. Because some of us struggle with foot-and-mouth syndrome. Now, I'm just curious, how many of you would consider yourself a talker? Any talkers? I'm a talker. I probably use more words than most. And what that means is that I have stuck my foot in my mouth just a few times. Um, but uh, whoever is a talker uh, has done this. In fact, uh, presidents are known for being talkers. They have to talk on behalf of a nation. And so I'm um, not trying to pick on any, but I just thought it'd be some fun to look at some of the statements that were said that, that maybe weren't so wise. Um, look at this first one. Things have never been more like the way they are today in history. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> what does it really mean? I don't know. What about the next one? If Abraham Lincoln was alive today, he would roll over in his grave. <laughs> I don't know if you want to be alive in your grave, but, right? What about this one? When the president does it, that means it's not illegal. I think parents use this, by the way. <laughs> when mom has a cookie. <laughs> and isn't it true that, you know, if you're, you're known for speaking a lot, at one point or another, you're going to say something wrong. You're not going to get it right. 
In fact, one of my favorite Proverbs is this one uh, for all of us talkers. It says, when there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. And I bring all this up to say that at one point or another, you are going to suffer for something you said. You know what I'm saying? At one point or another, people are going to say, like, I disagree with that. Uh, That was not wise. Um, I don't even like it. At one point or another, if you use words, you're going to suffer for what you say. And God says the same. God says you have a voice. You're an influencer. You are to be a light and you're to speak of Jesus. But he also would warn us that at one point or another, you are going to suffer for what you say. And if you want a strong voice, you need to be willing to suffer to speak that name. In fact, in 1 Peter, he says, For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. And so what we know is that, yes, we could suffer backlash for getting political. And I could suffer backlash for giving my preferences. But you know a better backlash? Is that when I'm so out there for Jesus, that they're like, I don't like that. Because they heard God's voice. If I'm going to suffer, I would rather suffer in that way. If people are going to disagree, I would rather be disagreed with on that. And I don't know about you. Reminds me of the role of a pastor. He's at pastor's conference, and they're telling this story about a pastor who was talking, counseling with someone. And he confronted this member out of love, but confronted them about their sin. And a vicar was nearby, an intern. The vicar heard this person just go off, livid, F-bombs and cursing, all about the pastor who said this word, stormed out of the pastor's office. Moments later, same person comes back with tears in their eyes. Says, I know, and I'm so sorry. Your voice was the voice of God. And because he said that, this person wanted to change. Because he said that, he had the opportunity to say, you're also forgiven. Are you willing to suffer? You might have to. When you go to work, people won't always understand what you're doing on the weekend. When there are issues in this world, they might not understand your perspective, which is guided by the Bible. But we should be willing. You know, this also reminds me of the early Christian church. When Jesus rose from death, there were many people who didn't want to hear about the resurrection, especially those who had killed him. And so they brought in Peter and John, they imprisoned them, and they threatened Peter and John, you better be quiet, you better stop talking about the resurrected Jesus Christ. And Peter said this, We cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. We will not be quiet because what has happened is the salvation of the world. He overcame sin through the cross and has overcome death through the resurrection. We can't be quiet. And here is where I wish Christians would take this mentality. When something is going wrong, when something is not right, when it comes to the way and the will of God, let us not be quiet. If we're going to use our voice and use our influence, 
If we're going to use Facebook, let it flood with the message and the voice of the King of Kings. For this is a worthy use of words. You know, it's interesting that this section tells us how Jesus used his words. In fact, it is this section um, that brings up something that we talk about every Sunday when we confess the Apostles' Creed. When we confess the Apostles' Creed, we say this, um, he descended into hell. You might know this, right? And I remember growing up in church and I was trying to do inflection and I'm like, poor Jesus, you know. Have you ever been there? Like, he descended into hell, right? And, and the reality is he did have to face hell. Hell is when he was separated from the goodness of the Father on the cross. But his descent into hell was not a sad thing. In fact, where we get this phrase from is actually the, the one passage that we've already heard. The passage that says, after being made alive. So when does this happen? He's already made alive. He's resurrected. He went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits. So if he's already resurrected and he already died and he's not going to the spirits to convert them, what is the message that he's sharing? He is sharing victory. He is telling those spirits, I have overcome. He is telling the devil, our accuser, you cannot hold them down in guilt and shame, for I have forgiven those sins. He is telling them, all who believe in me will also rise as I have. You know, I teach often about this in our starting point classes. And about the descent into hell, I usually compare it to what happens in Chicago when a Chicago team wins. You know what we do in the city of Chicago when a Chicago team wins? We throw a parade. In honor of a Bears good season so far. This is the 85 Bears, by the way. Black and white, didn't they have color back then? I feel old. Anyway. When Jesus goes down to hell, he's lining up the spirits and he's saying, you know what? I have won. Do you know why you're such an influencer, Christian? Because at the end of the day, the message you share, it's not bad news. It's not condemnation. At its core, it's not even judgment. It is victory. What you get to do by sharing the voice of God is invite people to a parade and let them know that they too have overcome. Let them know that they too have the right for eternal life. And so you are a strong voice when you remember at the other side of this conversation there is a victory over this problem. We are a strong voice right now when we remind all of those in this country that after the election, the King of Kings will still be reigning on his throne and will still hold us in the palm of his hand and will still work all things for the good of those who love him, called according to the purpose. That is a strong voice right now. But to close, I remember the moral of the story of the boy who called Wolf. Or cried wolf. That boy used his words in a worthless way, trying to trick the villagers, crying wolf when there was no wolf. And eventually what happened, the villagers turned that voice off. 
Those are worthless words. We can't even trust them. We can't even hear. In our society today, many people are saying, you're just like that boy. You're just crying wolf. I am going to turn you off. Let it not be said of us that we didn't waste words on something worthless. But rather, we use the opportunity afforded to speak the words of truth and life, the words that change hearts and eternities forever. This is our opportunity. You have influence. And now let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you that through your voice, I have found the light of the world, Jesus. Thank you for his death and resurrection that I may be part of the victory. Help me point others to that victory. But keep me from the pitfalls of my words and my personal talking points. Bless the election, the leaders of our country, both present and future. And give us peace that you are with us and love us. In Jesus' name, amen.